You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams and Marty Foster. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Good evening, gentlemen. Marty, it's great to see you again. How are you this evening? Oh, I'm fine, thank you. It's a bit cold here, down to about three degrees, and um, my onboard weather system is telling me that it's cold, that being my arthritic joints. Well, as you can see, it's it's snowing behind me, just out the window there. That's very pretty, actually, yes. Uh, Very relaxing. Yeah. Uh, Bruce, how are you today? Doing well, healthy and alive. We're actually sitting at a nice, comfortable 60 degrees Fahrenheit. So, but we get down to uh, the about what you're saying there about the, the three degrees Celsius, I believe. Um, tonight, we're, we're supposed to get zero degrees Celsius. So um, nice in the day, cold in the night. Always fantastic to sit here and talk the weather when we start, isn't it? Isn't it great? It's a very British thing to do. It is. It is. And, I, you know, I, I've always been told that you talk to people about the weather when you have nothing else to talk about. But we got plenty to talk about tonight. And I want to pick up right where we left off the other day when you were on, Marty. And we like to talk about the World Economic Forum when you're here. Right. Klaus Schwab and company. Yeah, we like to talk mm-hmm. about them. Uh, I also want to get into uh, a lot of stuff that's going on in the UK. Of course, you guys have the uh, the vaccine approval. I got a hold of the uh, the actual or one of the actual um, forms from the NHS before they deleted it. So we'll go over some of that. Uh, I want to go over uh, some of the statements that have been made by members of your parliament about how this is going to be uh, administered. And I also have some I played some audio last night from Trafalgar Square over the weekend. And um yeah, Bruce, you heard it. What'd you think of that? I couldn't even make out what they were saying in that one. I, I'm not sure either. I mean, Marty, you speak English. We'll, <laughs> we'll have to get you to see if you can translate uh, on that one when we come when we come to it. Uh, yes, please. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's start again. Let's uh, start with the World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum, and I wouldn't mute your mic too fast because I'm assuming you're going to come you're going to come off the chain here in just a second. They encourage people to eat weeds and drink sewage. No, I'm not talking about eating weed as in marijuana. I'm talking about eating weeds as in stuff you find out in your garden. Uh, World Economic Forum, let me pretext here. The World Economic Forum published two articles on its website, which explored how people could be conditioned to get used to the idea of eating weeds, bugs, and drinking sewage water in order to reduce CO2 emissions. Yeah, um... Well, <laughs> you couldn't make it up. You couldn't make it no, up. No, no, I, I saw, I saw that that statement. And um, if you look at all over Asia, they eat crickets, they eat all kinds of beetles. Well, it's true. Um, it's you, just a form of protein. It is. That, if you look at uh, it, it, if you look at it, most insects and things, pound for pound, have more protein than beef. That's true. That's true. Yeah. If you, I mean, you've been through survival training. That's what they teach uh-huh. you to, to survive on is, is things like that. And they teach you about edible plants and, and things like that out in nature. And of course, mm-hmm. in those uh, types of scenarios, you're kind of, yeah, it, in a survival situation, you're reduced as obviously as to what's on the menu. So you have to make do with what you can. Well, I've got to be full disclosure. I've never been trained to eat bugs. 
No, really. I've never been trained to eat okay. bugs, but I know I know that they are high in protein, highly nutritious, if you can get enough of them. But they're a last resort because um, yes. before I joined military training, I was a Boy Scout just like you were. And, and the motto is be prepared. So um, if, if you know you're going to be out in the Ulu, as we used to call it, for any length of time, you make sure you've got your rations. Look, there is going to be a, a real kickback and resistance to any attempt to make people in the West eat that kind of stuff. It's just not going to go down well. And they're almost sabotaging themselves by even suggesting it. I also know that in in Asia, tofu is pretty big. And the way in which tofu is produced... Um, it's just soy, isn't it? Well, yeah, it, it's like, a, it's like a, a curds and whey kind of... Um, okay. Because I yeah. always hear people asking the question, what is tofu? I, th- I think it's just soy. I, I think. It, yeah, but it, it, the way it cultivates, and it, it's like a really thick yogurt that you could slice um, is, is the way I would describe it. It's not dairy. It's, it's soy, as you say. But there was a scandal recently um, about how it was being produced and lots of people becoming sick because they were using sewage water to basically um, cultivate the uh the the tofu in we're not going to eat sewage we're not going to eat marty you're missing the you're missing the bigger point here see this is not about nutrition this is about climate change see that that's what it's all it's all about is is climate change you've got to reduce your co2 i'm trying to do this with a straight face you got to reduce your co2 emissions right now this is what they say according to uh an article that was written by uh, a gentleman by the name of douglas broom on the World Economic Forum's website. Anybody can go and look this up. Finding new plant-based foods is becoming increasingly urgent with the world's population forecast to grow by 2 billion in the next 30 years. While farming animals for meat generates 14.5 of the total global greenhouse emissions, weeds capture carbon from the atmosphere and can therefore help to control climate change. So see, it's not about nutrition. Isn't saving the planet more important than your nutrition? No, this is this is not quite accurate, though, because saying that this consumes the carbon emissions when it's growing, it's the same thing as trees. Trees run into the same issue when it's growing. It doesn't consume uh, CO2 emissions. It, it actually produces more than it's consuming. Same thing with these plants, it, any plant, really. It pretty much it produces more until it's it reached adulthood, if you will, or full grown or, or close to. And then it starts consuming. And then at that point, it's a net zero. It's not even, it's not even a, it, it's pulling from, because then you have the, if there's any kind of decay going on. So you have to be sure if you're going to do this, you have to be sure to, to trim it or, or clip it or whatever, or harvest it if you're going to eat it or whatever. And you can't have any, you can't have any leftover because if you have any leftover, that's CO2 emissions. So it, it, it's kind of, it's a falsehood there. And then Secondarily, the sewage, we already treat sewage anyway. We already clean it up and treat it. And um, it's just the process is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Basically, Johnny, what he says. I'm, I'm just thinking of the ecosystem and the rising sea levels that are not happening. I'm sorry, I didn't say that. They've already said we, we've lowered our emissions, right? And they're like, oh, well, you know, you look at the US, for example, we've lowered our emissions since the 1970s. I mean, they're a lot lower than they were back then. Same with the UK. They were talking about that in one of their articles. You've actually lowered your emissions since uh, But it's never 2016. enough. And, 
It's never and the latest announcements, the, the latest, the latest announcements from the government is that the um, rate at which, at which we emitted CO two gases, or sorry, carbon, in the nineteen nineties, is going to be reduced by half again by the year twenty thirty. So, um, tell me, who isn't reducing their emissions? China, India, yeah, India. Uh huh. Basically, so, manufacturing countries. Yeah, the world's fastest growing economies china and india are being permitted by the rest of the world or just ignoring the rest of the world and are emitting far more than they ever had so whatever we do and i'm not saying do nothing but whatever we do is being completely outweighed by what they are doing yeah i mean we we move manufacturing because it's very it's very dirty right it pollutes a lot no, so we move, we move manufacturing ma- no no yeah, no, no, I, no i know it's cheaper we we uh, move I, manufacturing yeah. because it's cheaper yeah yeah that, but that, i'm yeah. i'm playing the i'm playing the the socialist you know these these guys the world economic forums game right yeah um sure. but if you if you okay we'll, we'll put it this way if you do move them right to to reduce pollution in your area which we know it's for money but let's say you did doesn't matter you just you just shifted where the pollution is going to be where it comes from where it originates it, you're you're still having to manufacture so unless we can make a cleaner manufacturing process it's not going to matter well um if their other predictions come to fruition such as i own nothing and am happy then we need much less manufacturing you know that's what we need less manufacturing and if every product becomes a service it means that stuff just doesn't get left in the um in the basement or, or the garage um when you're done using it it'll go back to the provider and um used by somebody else so the whole secondhand market will will disappear because your providers of your services will will uh, recycle oh, your goods awful, for you. It's awful generous of them. It's awful generous of them that that they're Isn't being it? so considerate of our lifestyles and, and our way. It's so considerate. And the fact that they're going to take the burden of ownership off of everybody, I think that's just, I think that's fantastic. I think that's, that's great. Don't you? Don't you? I mean, you're going to be happy about it, right? Mm, sure. <laughs> stagnation yeah like yeah if, if you're not producing more uh advancing progressing you're just reusing that which you have exactly and it you, creates dependency and it creates collapse that's what it does every single I time can't rem- i can't remember who it was who explained um economics to me this way but a long long time ago i'm talking at least 40 years ago someone said if you can afford to spend a hundred pounds on a good pair of boots that will last you 20 years, you've spent a hundred pounds and you've had use for 20 years. If you can only afford a pair of boots that for that cost you 20 pounds and they might last you a year, um, you can see, do the maths to, to carry on being able to wear boots for 20 years, you're going to have to spend four times as much. Hang on. Don't, don't, don't make me look stupid here. I'll, I'll just... No, you're right. I'll do the you're maths. Right. Yeah? Fair um, enough, yeah. Yeah. So ownership of things, if you can afford to buy the best that you can afford, tends to do you better in the long term. And constantly having to pay for things that you rent means that you are less well off. And of course, that's the reality of it. So their prediction really should be, I own nothing and I am miserable 
because I owe nothing. Well, that's what it's all so, about. It's misery. Yeah. It's their misery that they're reprojecting onto society. And that's what it's all about. It's about that old saying, misery loves company. And that's what they want. They want everybody miserable and dependent and hooked on their uh, their Netflix and their phones and uh, and not owning anything and, and never striving to be more. That's what it's all about. You know, when you look at totalitarian systems, no matter which side it comes from, I, I don't care about any of that stuff. If you look at totalitarian systems in general, I've talked to people that have lived under it. And, you know, they all seem to say the same thing. I've talked to people from different countries, uh, the one present one included, of people that have lived under that system. And they all seem to say just about the same thing. They say, look, if you keep your mouth shut and you just go about your business and you don't try to advance yourself, you'll more than likely be left alone. But if you notice in countries such as like Cuba, Marty, have you been to Cuba? No, no, I've been no. very close to Cuba. But okay, well, I wasn't sure. Cuba. Yeah, I wasn't sure. But yeah. um, Cuba, if you look at Cuba, okay, closest example to the U.S. at the moment as far as, uh, you know, uh, Marxist system uh, in the U.S., uh, or excuse me, uh, in proximity wise to the U.S., stuck in the 1950s. If you go to the eastern part of Europe, I mean, I've been across the line where that wall was. A lot of those Eastern countries, they've never recovered. And that wall's been down for a better part of 30, almost 40 years now. It's never recovered. And so, no, um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, I was having a, a conversation um, via message with Steve, who was on the other day. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'd really like to disabuse him of his rose-tinted view of, um, of what it's like in China for the Chinese. Being there as an expat, even though you're living in and amongst them, isn't quite the same as being um, of that country under that totalitarian rule. And um, the thing about these totalitarian rules, they these, these governments, they may well provide the bare minimum for their people. But what we're looking at is the bottom tier of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So shelter, warmth, food, those kind of things. If that's all you want, is the bottom tier of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And you, you never go on to develop all the way up to self-actualization, being everything you can be, then that's fine. Even though our system of capitalism is flawed, heavily flawed, if someone has a bright idea, makes an invention, or starts a successful business, they can still get right up there. But in those totalitarian Marxist, socialist governments, Unless you are the the most privileged, their own form of elite within this all being equal, but some are more equal than others context, uh, you, you don't stand a chance. So even with the broken capitalist system that we have here in the West that Klaus Schwab is advocating, I would rather have our broken system. I don't want a societal reset. I want to fix what we've got and not start again. Thank you very much, Klaus. Go back and sit by a lake, have a nice coffee, leave the rest of the world alone. Some people may say this is too idealistic, um, but what other choice do we have? At least we have to try. I'll tell you what choice you've got, Klaus. You've got the choice of continuing to do what you're trying to do or wind up being strung up with piano wire somewhere. That's what your future is, my old son. Mm, you're not wrong, sir. You know, I can't help that there might be some kind of a correlation here between Mao's great leap forward and the Great Reset. Hmm. 
one would think that uh, they might almost be connected. Now, what was the first step in the uh, the great leap forward? Oh boy, it was uh, demonizing small businesses and farmers and profiteers and shutting them down in the rural parts of the country and herding them up into uh, large cities, wasn't it? Huh. Is that kind of what we're seeing with businesses and farms and things now? Just, just kind of throwing an observation out there. You got anything on that? I want to jump over to vaccines. Let's jump over to vaccines. The UK... You guys have approved a, uh, a vaccine by Pfizer. And, you know, it, it's funny. I was going over this last night with uh, with Bruce, and I'm sure this has absolutely nothing to do with uh, with anything. I mean, I'm sure it's just it just happens to be coincidence. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure that um, I'm sure there's no connection here uh, whatsoever. But uh, let, just for a second, let's take a look at the lab in question in Wuhan. Okay, just just for a second. Now, again, there could be no connection here. I mean, it could just be a a, a giant conspiracy theory, and 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 there's nothing that's nothing to see here. But the lab in Wuhan, level four bio bio lab. All right. Now that lab is owned by Glaxo. Glaxo owns Pfizer. That's the company that produces one of the miracle vaccines that was just approved in the UK. Which okay, so Pfizer is managed by BlackRock Finances, which is the big hedge fund. And they also manage the finances for the Open Society Foundation of George Soros, I might add. And the word Winterthur is coming up there somewhere. Uh, yes, well. yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which, and that shocked me when I read what you're reading, uh-huh. um, because I've got a pension with that company. <laughs> I've got insurance and, uh, with one of these other companies here. <laughs> yeah. And it just shows you, you know, they always they say that there's about six degrees of separation between each person on the planet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a whole lot less than six degrees of separation there between companies that are um, running our lives and uh, ruining our lives. And that name, Soros, just keeps popping right up, doesn't it? He seems to be a very popular individual, which, by the way, uh, he just appointed uh, a gentleman by the name of Sir Malik, uh, I believe, from the UK, who was the CEO of Smartmatic Voting Systems, which was a subsidiary of Dominion Voting Systems. And he is now the head of the Open Society Foundation that George Soros just tapped him to be ahead of. It's just coincidence, I'm sure. Uh, but, okay. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Going back to this, right? Soros Foundation, all right, which by chance serves a company, uh, the French AXA, and then which they own the company Winterthur, which you just mentioned, which built the laboratory in Wuhan, where the virus supposedly came from, which was accidentally bought by German Allianz, which is my insurance company. One of them. And uh, they act as a vanguard as a sh- or they have a vanguard that acts as a shareholder, which is a shareholder of BlackRock, which controls the central banks and manages about one third of the global investment capital, which incidentally is a major shareholder of Microsoft, which is the property of Bill Gates as a major shareholder, who happens to also be one of the largest shareholders of Pfizer, which sells the miracle vaccine. And they're also the largest sponsor of the World Health Organization. I'm sure it's just coincidence. Yeah. I'm I'm sure it's just coincidence. But that was something that Ned found, wasn't it? Where Gates it was, said yeah. that his his philanthropic giving of millions and billions to the research that he would return twentyfold. He would get a twentyfold return. He said that publicly. Yeah. And um, you know, no one's no one's listening to the news because this stuff isn't in the news. It's just not being publicized. 
So it, there, there is no wonder we've got lots of sheeple sleepwalking over the edge of the cliff straight into the Great Reset because the mainstream media, which you talked about last night, um, they're just not reporting these things. People are having to find the news elsewhere. And if you're looking for news through your normal social media, it's all biased in one direction because big tech are all on board with the World Economic Forum. So, yeah, where do we go from here, Johnny? I think I said it the other day. There's only one way those masks are coming off, and I think we all know what that is. Yeah, to your point about uh, news and whatnot, even if you try to just use a search engine and and find news that way, most of the news you find, like the top eight of ten searches, you know, on the on the page, is all leaning one direction. You know, mm-hmm. it's unless you do really specific search uh, searches and negate out certain websites, um, you know, do like minus whatever website, CNN or whatever. Um, that's usually what you get. You get all the um, the quote unquote fact checkers for the social media. I think always the best way to fact check is to look at news from different biased media outlets and go somewhere in the middle because that's where the truth will be. But you can't because they're all biased towards uh, the World Economic Forum, towards the UN, towards the Democrats. That's the way the bias of everything that we're being uh, or able to access as far as news is. So you can't really, and, uh, and the ones that are not biased in that direction are being censored. They're being cancelled. They're, they're having their accounts closed. So, yeah, we're, I think pretty soon they're going to come for us. Maybe if our listener, you know, just popped next door and played one of our podcasts to to his neighbor, you know, that that might be all all it takes for for them to come and try and shut us down. Well, I, honestly, I think it's only a matter of time. I mean, Bruce and I were talking about this last week. It, it's only a matter of time. And if if you look, there are a number of companies that are now coming in and buying up the podcasting market, and they're buying up um, the uh, the platforms themselves. They're not buying out uh, the people like like us. They're buying up uh, the actual platforms. And so before long, yeah, it's it's just going to they're, they're just going to start grabbing people and just start kicking us you know, off. So right now, audio is safe, but it's not going to be that way forever. Uh, voices like ours will be uh, will be shut down. Uh, they'll go after the big ones first. They'll get them thrown off and then they'll start going after it because no one will fight for the big ones. You won't stand up. And so they're going to continue for it. And, you know, it's that old saying, well, when they came for the Catholics, I didn't care because I wasn't Catholic. They came for the Baptists, I didn't care because I wasn't Baptist. They came for the Jews, I didn't care because I wasn't Jewish. But when they came for me, there was no one else left. We're up here fighting for people, doing this every day. <laughs> and the, the question is, is does the average person even give a damn? Do they even give a damn? That, that's the question you kind of have to ask yourself is, is that. Because if they come for us and they shut us down, which I fully expect to happen, and believe you me, we will see you on the other side of this because they're not winning this. You can tell me what you want. It's going to be a rough time, but they're not winning this. It's not going to happen. And the reason I know that is because I know history. I know how this stuff goes. They don't win this. They might try and they might have they might have their little battles and their little wars and all that stuff. But even you know, uh, Marty, as as you, you look at, say, for example, the latest example of uh, the, the last world conflict, World War II, a lot of battles, a lot of battles. You don't win every single one of them. You take losses. You have setbacks. You advance a little bit. You come back. But in the end, evil doesn't get to win this. No. And and what you have to do is reinforce your strengths. You don't reinforce a loss. You don't throw more 
into the meat grinder if you're already losing. Um, so we have to pick our battles. We'll have to decide what our best chances are of exposing what's going on, making the most people aware and finding ways to stop them. I can't believe I've gone. Sorry. Do you know, I talked to somebody today and I said, because they they were telling me that they're uh, about small businesses. They said, oh man, these small businesses, man, they're taking a hit. And I said, don't you understand that's what it's about? And they just looked at me and said, what are you, some kind of conspiracy theorist? They actually said that to me. Do you really not understand that it's about bulldozing small businesses? Do you, do you really think that this is about public health? They don't give a damn about public health. Since, since when does a politician care about someone's well-being? They don't care about that. They would rather keep you sick, dumb, and poor to keep you coming back to them for a solution. They don't care about you being healthy, well-informed, and, fo- and a pocket full of money. It puts those types of people out of business. They don't want that. <laughs> Yeah, and I'll tell you, I I don't know, I don't know how, and this, by the way, this is an educated person, you know, a, a well-educated, informed person, and I think to myself, how can you be this blind? How on earth can you be this blind? It, it absolutely perplexes me. But then I see you guys approved a vaccine, and which, by the way, let me get that audio before we get into. Uh, uh, one of the uh, the government uh, ministers here on on some of his comments. You guys approved a vaccine. Uh, the Pfizer vaccine has has been uh, uh, approved for use in the UK. And to be honest with you, okay. And I, I half wish GP was in here. Do you know how long it takes to develop a vaccine on average? It takes seven years to develop a vaccine. They've done this in a little under one. Do you think they've sidestepped a few safety precautions? Just a few. Just a few. You're going to sit there and you're going to tell me. I think so, yes. Yeah, just a few. Just a few. And we're going to go over some of those here in just a minute. Possible side effects that's being given to your NHS. We're going to go over that. Oh, I've got the form. I grabbed it before it got deleted. They pulled it down pretty quick. I I saw it earlier. The the forms, uh, I'll just see if I can find it now. It's the the MFA, the UK CV-19 vaccine consent form? Yeah. Okay, you got it. Sorry, it's somewhere in the feed there, but I I I got it right earlier today. Yeah, I got it right here. Yeah. We'll go over some of that. But since you're in here, and of course, you know, the vaccine comes now and they're they're going to, we'll get into like passports and things like that here in just a minute because they're talking about that in the UK too. Uh, Wales, I think, is already doing it. We talked about that last week. But you speak English, Marty, and and I, I, at least I think you do, right? So, That's very kind of you to say so. Bruce and I were, were listening to some of this audio. We were trying to make it out. This is in Trafalgar Square just um, just two days ago. And of course, Trafalgar Square, site of protests and, and things like that, where you want to make your voice heard. Tens of thousands of people down there. Don't see any masks or, uh, or social distancing in any of this. But they were saying something, and we can't quite make it out. We wanted you to, to take a listen to it and see if you can figure out what it is they're actually saying. Okay. I, I couldn't quite make that out. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't quite make that out. <laughs> it's, it's, it very, it's a very useful tune that is used on on many occasions at football stadiums and rugby stadiums uh-huh. um, when you're conveying um, a, a message of displeasure to the other uh-huh. side. Um, I see. And I believe what they were saying is, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, is that we'd rather not have um, your cure for COVID which is untested, unproven, 
and possibly detrimental to my health. Thank you very much. I think okay. that's what they I, said. I, I'm, that's, that's, well, that's, very, that's a very the, English way of putting it. Yes. Yeah. Very yeah. modest. Very modest. I, I remember. I remember being at the Dubai Sevens, which is a rugby competition, and you get uh, nations from all over the world playing all the top level playing the the Sevens game of rugby, which is played with just seven people rather than fifteen. And England had won. And England, when they're playing rugby, the fans sing "Swing Low, Sweet Chariot." which came under some contention with the Black Lives Matter movement because it's a slave song. And uh, I was stood at the urinal and in came a group of Irishmen behind us and started singing, you can stick your chariots up your like this. And it made me laugh so much, I had to change my trousers. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> with, with, that, um, with that chant from your... Um your displeased um, country folk down there at, um, at Trafalgar. And with the approval, the rushed approval, which, by the way, I mean, when you see Boris Johnson meeting with Bill Gates, I mean, doesn't that inspire confidence? Doesn't that inspire a population to get behind something that he has he himself has funded and is promoting? I mean, here's think about it. Here's a zero population guy who says on a TED talk, who, by the way, has no medical degree whatsoever, who says on a TED talk that the population is headed up to about nine billion over the next 30 years, which coincidentally is about the same year the World Economic Forum said the population was going to go up and about the same amount of people as well, oddly enough. And um, coincidence, I'm sure. And he says, if we do a really great job with all of this, then we can bring those numbers down. If we can cut CO2 emissions and we can create vaccines, well, one of these numbers has to go to zero, making comparisons of population and CO2 emissions. And the crowd laughed at him. In my experience, when someone comes out and says that they're going to kill you, you believe them. You don't laugh it off. Oh, here's a cute guy up on stage. He's wearing a pink sweater. He's non-threatening. Give me a break. That's the most dangerous man for the world, as far as I'm concerned. Next to possibly Warren Buffett. Why is it when you see Warren Buffett on TV, he's always eating an ice cream cone? Here's a non-threatening old man. Or George Soros. Every time you see George Soros up on TV, he's some kind of victim. Same concept. Well, the only reaction I got um, from seeing Boris meeting with Gates just a little while ago was an involuntary reaction that I like to call the throat punch. My arm just leapt out, leapt out, straight at throat height. And listeners, this uh, is why uh, Marty was at this is why Marty was at uh, was at Tesco's buying the Black Friday uh, flat screen TV deal because he punched <laughs> his television. <laughs> uh, yeah, Th- that's the thing. You see this this whole thing about toxic max- masculinity, how the left are being used to push the idea that um, it's toxic to be male. It's not good to be a man's man. Gates is a wimpy nerd. I believe I've said this before. Um, and they're all like that. You heard the clips we were playing yeah, yesterday yeah. of those those uh, cowardly Republican politicians. They're nobody. Look, we we amongst ourselves, um, we the podcasters have have gone beyond party, haven't we? We we we're not behind any particular political party because we know that they are all pretty much of a muchness and easy to be bought. Who was it who said the other night? That you can buy a senator for about two hundred and fifty thousand. That would be me, sir. So two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, we were discussing earlier on all these people who have got no backbone, who are awkward in in public, who can't cope with 
general day-to-day life and human interaction, they move towards the left of, of politics for the simple reason they think the left will wrap their arms around them and give them everything they need. But that's not what is really happening. Gates, fabulously wealthy, I've said this time and time again, if I had his money, I would be away doing all the things that I enjoy doing. But it seems the only thing he enjoys doing is screwing with the rest of the world and messing up people's lives. If this vaccine isn't exactly what it's meant to be, and it and it has and if it has got any adverse effects, I hope he faces trial. And I wish we had the death penalty because that's what I would love to see him face. They've uh, put safe safeguards in place to protect those companies from yeah. any lashback for the vaccines. Pfizer was given liability well, protection by the UK government. Well, hang on. Let's let's use our enemy's weapons. You, do you know there's a special training school um, in Warminster in the UK that trains uh, our spec ops guys, our, our special forces, on how to use weapons from all over the world? So if they wind up having to pick up the enemy's weapon, there it is. What's that little book you had, the little black one there earlier on? Oh, this is uh, this is available on Amazon for anybody who would like it. Obviously, you can't see it, but I'm holding it up for the other two here. Uh, this is called uh, Burn Down the American Plantation, and it's written by a group that's largely funded by a gentleman by the name of George Soros, I might add. Uh, and it's called the, uh, uh, what are they called? Uh, the Revolutionary Abolitionist Movement. Yes. Well, doesn't it say in there that um, the revolutionary can be justified in using preemptive aggressive tactics um, against their oppressors um, if they know they can't win and it could be considered self-defense. So if they've managed to legislate and and get waivers so that the companies can't be prosecuted for these things, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that book, we're going to have to follow what it says in there. Well, to be honest with you, it does say that. And it's to that, to that point, uh, it says that um, revolutionary justice... I'm just quoting here. Revolutionary justice may just as easily be called self-defense. In fact, the oppressed are often left with no other option, given the brutal, methodical, and continued nature of their subjugation. Their only choice for survival is to strike back. Huh. That's their own words. That's the hard left's own words. Yeah, well, there you go, you see. So if we were to be the kind of people who would incite that kind of action, then we'd be shouting that at from, from the rooftops. But of course, we're not. And I've said this and before. And they know it. We've got too, yeah. Well, I've, we've got too much invested in society as it is. And as broken as our system is, I would still rather have our system as it stands and, and work to improve it and fix it than the Marxist future that the WEF, the UN, the World Health Organization, the good old Democrats have lined up for us. And Republicans. Well, and and the Republicans that have been bought out by the New World Order. All right, uh, let's get to uh, Professor Jonathan Van Tam. Do you know who this gentleman is? For some reason, I know the name. Oh, yes. Yeah, he was the one that used the analogy about the train journey. Um, the train journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The train's at the station. We've all got to get on the train now. Didn't uh-huh. occur to the man about how people were transported during the Holocaust. About oh, yes. How oh, yes. Scary, yeah. uh, you know, me being a prime um, skeptic, just how sinister his analogy 
came across when he when he made he looks like Penfold off of Danger Mouse. Has anyone seen he does. Danger Mouse? He, he do, yeah, 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 I remember yeah. Danger Mouse as a kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, he is nice the United kid, Kingdom's. Yeah. yeah, he is the United Kingdom's deputy chief medical officer, and he's raised more than a few eyebrows this week when he said that now. Listen to this. Mask wearing, social distancing, and various COVID-19 mitigation procedures could go on for years, and it could become a part of our social fabric. Now, he said this to the Sun Papers, and you've made your intentions clear on the Sun Papers before. Rupert Murdoch, useless rag as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Do I think that there will come a big moment where we have a massive party and throw our masks and our hand sanitizer and say, that's it. It's behind us. Like the end of the war? No, I don't. He said this during a uh, Downing Street press conference to the Sun Papers. Uh, He says, I think those kinds of habits uh, that we've learned from will perhaps persist for many years. And that may be a good thing if we do. Huh? I think when he was at university and medical school, that he was the one that never got invited to parties. So, you know, just looking at him, as I say, he looks like Penfold. Very sad Um, individual, I think. Well, we shouldn't make this personal, but... What other um, avenue of attack do I have? I can't get to him personally. I'm sure he may or may not have seen some of the things that I text in during the the live briefings, because you can do that on the live stream. And I've asked them time and time again to just tell the truth, stop spinning it, stop playing Project Fear. Look, I am sure there are people suffering from this disease. And I'm sure that some people who have unfortunately caught it whilst they have pre-existing conditions, are having a real hard time, and and I, I wish them a speedy recovery. But the vast majority of us have seen no evidence on the streets of people with COVID. I've not experienced, you know, I Hosp- may well have had hospitals. it. Yeah, hospitals are not becoming over capacity. I don't give a damn what the media says, right? If you look at it and you say, oh, well, if, if they're telling you, and this is the talking point, 80 to 90% of the ICU beds are at capacity. Those are regular numbers. They're always at 80 to 90% capacity most of the time. Well, if, um, what was his name again? Something Van Tam. Professor Jonathan Van Tam. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if Professor Jonathan Van Tam thinks that our future uh, is wearing masks and constantly hand sanitizing. He can take it and stick it where those chaps in Trafalgar Square were suggesting that uh-huh. it gets stuck. Uh-huh. Fauci, he came out and said, whoa, this this vaccine has gone through a bit quick, hasn't it? But he would have said it in, in an American accent, obviously. Mm-hmm. And he backpedaled. Why did he backpedal? Who told him? His first opinion was his gut feeling. This, that seems a bit quick, but now he's backpedaled and said, Well, masks, masks were the same way. In the very beginning, they said, don't buy those up. The medical personnel need them. They don't really work anyway. That's what they said in the very beginning. Yeah, they, it'll yeah, be a, they did. It'll be a detriment to the average person because there's procedures. You have to change to them. As, as we've talked before, the requirements for those in medical facilities is anywhere from 10 minutes to four hours, four hours being the absolute longest that you have to change those masks. Mm-hmm. And- uh, if you don't, you run into issues of um, contamination still getting through uh, the, the mask, or you run into the situation of just the the bacteria you have in your mouth as you exhale. It creates a wonderful habitat inside the mask for that bacteria to grow. You're breathing that in, and then you can cause other um, infections. And they um, know that. And they know. And they that. know that. I I know of people that have had their kids 
required to wear it. it hell, the NFL has they, they've had um, many cases of strep throat in the NFL. Adults, like it, it's understandable in kids. Like I, I've seen it a lot in kids, right? But usually you don't have it in adults, at least not around here. You don't hear people getting it because of the mask wearing. It's creating that perfect um, little atmosphere for it to to grow. Yeah, as I it, said, it's, it's they're only coming off one way. Yeah. <laughs> you want those masks to come off, then you got to get rid of the people that are making you wear them. That's all I'm saying. So Mr. Van Tam has said that, uh, and I'm quoting here, he says that, of course, he's making comparisons to the uh, to the seasonal flu. But yet at the same time, he says, I don't want to make parallel too many parallels with the flu. But it's possible that this this is going to be with humankind forever. I think we may get to a point where the coronavirus becomes a seasonal problem. But I don't, he's again, he says he doesn't want to make too many parallels with the flu. But that's actually what they've done, because there's no seasonal flu this year, oddly enough hasn't shown up. But he says here about the vaccine, he says, this vaccine isn't going to help you if you don't take it. Well, that's good because I don't want it to help me. That's good. I'm, I'm glad you cleared that up. Thanks. Appreciate that. He says, you will need two doses of this vaccine to have full protection for how long? What are you basing that on? You won't tell us how many people uh, have done this. As a matter of fact, the CEO of the Robert Koch Institute here in Germany has said that the vaccine will might will likely cause some death, but we need to also examine whether or not people have an underlying condition that aided in this death, meaning they know that it's going to kill people. They know it's going to kill people. They just need to have this ready to go so they can say, oh, well, these underlying conditions are what caused it. They'll blame the underlying condition. With, we talked about this with GP. When you when you get the vaccine, it makes it more likely that when you catch it, it's going to be a severe case of COVID-19 because your body is more likely to overreact to the virus. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's that's where the problem that's where the problems happen. Yeah. Those protein spikes that the body gets trained to recognize and, and react against, if it goes into an overreaction, as as I'm remembering what GP said and the research that Ned had looked into as well, you get this cytokine storm and massive you know activity in the lungs and, and it winds up with pneumonia. It's pneumonia that kills. It's the fluid forming into the lungs as a reaction to the body or as a an autoimmune reaction i'm supposed to take immunosuppressants for a condition i have but i'm not going to take them i haven't taken them for a very long time because the first time i took them i had a massive allergic reaction and and so i won't take them anymore uh, and the last thing I want at the moment is my immune system to be compromised with everything else that's going on. But I'm still not going to have this this um, this vaccine. That well, it may cost me my job. It may cost me, you know, the ability to travel outside the country. Uh, it may it may limit my travel within the country. Again, but I'm not going to have it. It'll It'll split society. That's what it's meant to do. It's meant to be a tool of division. They know it's not going to work. Right here, his next comment, and I'm just quoting here, uh, Van Tam. He says, watching others take it and hoping it will protect you too doesn't work necessarily. Listen to the last thing he says. We don't know if it prevents transmission. Well, then what's the point of it? What's the, what's the point? By that right there. By that right there. Maybe, maybe that's a little sliver of some type of moral obligation he has is to say that right there. Maybe. I don't know. No, I'm going to shoot that down and say, no, it's a it's a way it's a door that he's opened to allow them to keep doing these covid lockdowns and covid restrictions and the mask wearing. 
because okay, they said, okay. well, you know, we don't know if it'll spread. So we're going to have to continue doing the lockdowns. We're going to have to continue destroying the economy. We're going to have to continue forcing people to wear masks because there's still some among you that are not willing to bend the knee. I, I want to go over the uh, the NHS form that's out. This is the consent form. And like I said, uh, uh, well, Marty, you, you said you've, you've seen it. Uh, it's floating around, but they grabbed this before it was taken down. They, they pulled it down pretty quick. I tried to grab the PDF yesterday. It was already gone. Uh, but I was able to get this part of it. I'm assuming that uh, they're going to offer some kind of consent, but I may I may be mistaken because by this form, it says here that uh, if the doctor, therefore, under a duty to take reasonable care to ensure that the patient is aware of, you know, whatever, any reasonable alternative or variant uh, variant treatments. Well, we're not being told anything about therapeutics, are we? Nothing. It's never been a, a question here about therapeutics. What works? What doesn't? Of course, if you believed in uh, anything like hydroxychloroquine, you were a conspiracy theorist. You were a kook. Didn't know what you were talking about. Uh, any doctors that have had any kind of uh, differing of opinion, they've been shut up. They've been uh, silenced. They've been taken down, deplatformed, discredited, shamed, and all the rest of it. But it says here on this form. And I'm just quoting the NHS form. It says here, this is very interesting. Vitamin D doses of 5,000 I use daily is proven to benefit to prevent and treat COVID-19. Well, why wouldn't they say that? Why, why on earth wouldn't they say that? They go on to say, and I'm talking therapeutics here. This is their own form. Vitamin C in doses of five grams daily is proven to benefit to prevent and treat COVID-19. That's what the Germans were initially experimenting with. Vitamin C, they had success with it. Topical antiseptics such as iodine are proven to benefit and reduce the loading dose and hence disease severity of COVID-19. Why on earth wouldn't they tell us about any of this stuff? Oh, because the vaccine's going to save you, right? That right there is a yeah. crime. So the, the uh, mantra of hands, face, space actually doesn't do that much to prevent transmission of the virus. Whereas vitamin D, vitamin C, um, iodine, all of those things actually do prevent transmission uh, or, or at least transmitting enough of the, the virus to make someone very sick. You know, vitamin D is, we get most of it from sunlight, but not exactly. here in the UK. Well, this time of year, this is why we deal with the seasonal flu, because everybody goes indoors. The sun usually goes away and we have a resurgence because people's immune systems become weaker. That's why we see a resurgence of the seasonal flu this time of year. And and the lockdowns and all this staying away from each other has weakened our immune system. And as Bruce was just saying, wearing a mask, filling it up with your exhaled bacteria, making this little perfect microcosm in which... It can spread and 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 become more powerful. People are getting sick as a result of wearing masks. Vitamin D here in the UK, our biggest source of it, obviously during the summer, is the sun. But it's it's in quite high quantities in butter. And during the Second World War and the First World War, when there was rationing, we moved over to margarine, which is basically made from petrol products and is, is quite disgusting. And we thought we'd eradicated rickets, which is a deformity of the lower limbs, which vitamin D prevents. But because we were not getting our dose of vitamin D from butter, because it was heavily rationed and there, there just wasn't any any to be had, rickets came back. So I think I supplement, I don't need to supplement because I have a healthy diet. 
I have been taking more and more vitamin C under your advice, Johnny. And um, I, I do feel it makes me feel a lot better. I have got a bit of a, a seasonal cold at the moment. Um, it's no big deal because I don't have to go out. I, I work from home, so it's fine. But yeah, why haven't they told us, like you said, why haven't they told us about these things? Why are they advocating hands, face, space, rather than take this, take that, do this? And I think it's it's because they want it to continue to keep spreading. It's as simple as that. Because it, it is being used as a tool against us. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend the last couple of minutes here on uh, on some of these uh, these proposals. I want to get further into this, but we'll have to wait until you come back, uh, Marty. So if we can get uh, our guest on later on this week and we can discuss this part of it, because him being a medical professional and all, I'd like to get his take on uh, on all yeah, of that as sure. well. Uh, but I want to I wanted to uh, kind of transition over here to the uh, passport side of things. COVID ID cards are going to be rolled out in the UK, uh, and I've got a copy here of the, what they're going to look like for. These are actually going to be issued from the NHS. Uh, reports indicate that the UK National Health Service is to issue everyone vaccinated against coronavirus with an immunization identity card. With the government refusing to rule out the cards will be used like passports to reintegrate into society. You look surprised like this is the first you've heard of it. I've not heard that it's definitely going to be rolled out. We surmised that it would be part of their plan. Mm -hmm. So I'm not all that surprised that you're telling me this now, but I hadn't heard that it was going to be a definite rollout. Yeah. Um, Well, I tell you what, I want to get to um, uh, I want to play a clip here real quick. Uh, because I, we're getting short on time here. I want to play a clip here real quick of a Tory MP in your parliament. Uh, he's speaking in uh, in the House of Commons, and he's talking about these uh, specifically. And, and I want to get your take on it, because I, I happen to agree with the man uh, about what he says. And he's compared this move by the UK government to be that of the 1650s. It's, uh, it's quite possible that I think he could be right. Uh, in in the manners of this. Uh, And this is uh, Sir Desmond Swain. Now we discover that a vaccination may be a passport to the acquisition of your civil liberties, and without which you will have all sorts of things that you would be able to do denied to you. Can I say that that would be absolutely disproportionate to a, a virus with a mortality rate of verging on 1%. It would equally be a terrible precedent to set for other vaccines and medicines. Uh, So I hope that we can get away from that. The way to persuade people to have a vaccine is, of course, to line up the entire government and its ministers and their loved ones and let them take it first and then get all the lovies, the icons of popular culture, out on the airwaves singing its praises. To have any kind of suggestion of coercion absolutely feeds the conspiracy theory that we are being cowed and our liberties being taken away. Very I'm extremely grateful to him for giving way. It's, will he agree with me that it's not enough for the government merely to refrain from coercing people? The government's also got to pay attention to implicit coercion. That is, if the government turns a blind eye to allowing businesses like airlines and restaurants to refuse to let people in unless they've had the vaccination, the government's got to decide whether it's willing to allow people to discriminate on that basis. That would be discrimination. It would be vaccinationism. 
which we must, of course, resist. <clears throat> the other thing that any kind of coercion would do would be to set the seal on this government's reputation as the most authoritarian since the Commonwealth of the 1650s. But it is as nothing to the enthusiasm that we've seen from the front bench opposite for even more coercive and restrictive measures. I have to say, he's a, he's a very well-spoken man. He's very articulate. Well, yes, he is. And um, I saw that clip. I've watched the clip of him in Parliament speaking, and I posted it. And, you know, I, I still engage in social media, mm. and I'm totally out of love with it now. I detest it, but the only reason I, I continue to do it is to keep an eye on the enemy now. Normally, when I post something, I get... 20 30 likes when i posted that i got one and that's either because everyone on my friends list totally disagrees with uh sir desmond swain or posts like that aren't being seen by as many people as they usually are and i, think I venture that's to say case. i was gonna say i think it's the latter of the two to be fair uh, is is that's that's what's going on. Your thoughts as I mean him being uh, in your government. Your thoughts on uh, on his take on that. I'm assuming you uh, uh, you're in you're in agreement with him. I mean I certainly am. Obviously, I'm totally in agreement with him. He's either already fa fabulously wealthy and doesn't need to worry about keeping his job. But I've I've said this before on podcasts. The usual time for a politician to speak his mind or her mind or their mind, is just before they go and spend more time with their family. So I imagine he won't be sitting on those benches for much longer. You mean he's not going to be offered the uh, the seat in the House of Lords? Well, the House of Lords, you've always got to have the upper house, obviously, but it really needs to be totally reformed. Really? It's about is there a problem? Yeah. It? Uh, yeah, it's got all of the old money in it. Um, uh -huh. it's even got people like Neil Kinnock in it. Who I was kidding. Was, um, it's, yeah. you know, it's funny. I, I was expecting, um, Burkow to go, uh, to go in there because it was customary. You see, it was traditional that the, uh, that the former speaker, uh, be given a, uh, a place in the house of Lords. And he, oddly enough, he, he hasn't been invited to go there yet. No, no, maybe he doesn't need to. Maybe he doesn't need to because the amount of disruption and bias that he um, dealt during his time in the um, chair of speaker or, you know, in the position of speaker, he's probably already been paid handsomely for it by the people who wanted him to stand against everything that the government was trying to achieve. I think in the early days before Boris was and again, only my opinion, got to, if indeed he, he was, wasn't was always part of the plan. But in the days before Boris was got to, and during the Brexit negotiations, the Speaker of the House put his oar in, gave his opinion far too much, and it swayed things. And so he's either already been well paid, or he was doing it for free, which makes him a really stupid guy, because now he's not got the seat in the Lords. And he's no longer the speaker, and he's no longer in his seat in um, as, as a member of parliament. So yeah, I'm I'm glad he didn't. He's a horrible little man. Oh, now and, we just have to um, look at him on Sky News as a consultant. Is all we have to do. Now we have to look at him even more than we could before. 
I I stopped watching Sky News. That, <laughs> oh, what's her name? The, the, I I don't know. I don't watch it that much. Just I, no. I flip it on every now and again when I need to see something specific, uh, and then and then I turn it off. Uh, but that's it. But uh, hey, what is yeah. it you said? You have to monitor enemy propaganda. I mean, it's kind of what we do around here. Yeah, it's what I do, and every chance I get to stick it to um, James O'Brien when people post his post his videos on LBC, I do. And every chance I get to uh, put some libtard right on Twitter, I do. Again, we're beyond parties. It's got nothing to do with political yeah. parties. We've moved beyond that. It's We've got a new enemy. And, and what should be happening is people of the centre, people who, who are not of political extremes, should be recognising what's happening. We should be coming together. We are the biggest demographic and we should be stopping this from happening all we can do is is wait for the right moment and um i i'm i'm ready when it comes it's time for um, the silent majority to go to work my friend yeah exa- exactly all the noise from left and right is disguising what's happening and um the people in the center need to wake up well said sir uh we are out of time today Thank you guys for sitting down this evening. Appreciate that. So for those of you who have not, you'd like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. I know I'm kind of off and on over there in the last few days. We've been very busy around here. Uh, just haven't had the time. Uh, and of course, you know, Bruce, you're getting ready to move. Uh, we're going to uh, set something up for, I think, we no, it's it's this week. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that offline here in just a minute. But yes, uh, give us a follow over there. Love getting all of your comments and your feedback, your uh, echoes. Appreciate that. You can follow me over there at Anderson 3 or you can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you want to reach out to us and you don't want to do it on social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates including your neighbors. We're trying to grow our audience here as much as possible. And as Marty said, it's time for the silent majority to go to work. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts with the exception of SoundCloud. You look like you want to say something. I do. I've just remembered that journalist on Sky News that I can't stand is called Kay Burley. (laughs) She is an utter wank puffin. (laughs) <laughs> that's it that's all I wanted to say What's, I'm sorry I'm sorry stop 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 <laughs> that's a new word for me from, it, from yeah, the English because, what is and, a and, wank and, puffin you, you don't need to know you don't need to know <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why um, I used other words um, on Facebook and I got my message my reply to someone cancelled and deleted yeah, yeah, okay. and flagged okay <laughs> so I, I, I Marty you I offended did. someone so, so mm. I used a, a, a new term as wank puffing and and that works it didn't get blocked there's other ones that they are equally as offensive as any of the expletives that we might otherwise get banned for under terms of service however at the moment wank puffing is okay and that's what k burley is okay all right fair enough (laughs) i I forgot where i was in my outro promo (laughs) um but oh yes um also, if you're rating podcast, if, if you're uh, if you're rating podcast, you can drop over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience. We'd appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much, Bruce and Marty. Thank you guys for your time tonight. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together, we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow. <laughs>